0: Okay, so last week I launched a new series, uh, and in order to, to kick off today and to, to refresh your memory or perhaps bring you up to speed if you weren't here last week, just a quick collection of the key thoughts uh, that I brought last week before we jump into today's dangerous prayer. Ooh. Okay, so just five points as a sort of recap, really. First one is it's the status quo and it goes something like this if we're honest most of our prayers most of the prayers we pray are probably nice and safe they're nice bless me prayers as we said last week and you've probably heard the line before what if god's intent is not so much to keep you safe but to make you dangerous and then i think the next one is is an opportunity you know we can As children of God, we can pray edgy and life-changing, even destiny-shifting prayers that invite the activity of God. And then a big statement that I made last week, which is that, that our fruitfulness in the kingdom will be directly proportional to the number of dangerous prayers that you're prepared to pray. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to keep yourself safe, you're going to tuck yourself back, keep yourself out the front line, or you're going to be bold and you're going to pray some of these prayers. Say, God, come use me. God, come do something in my life, in my circumstances. Hey, God, use me for your glory. Are you prepared to pray those prayers? And my fourth one is a challenge. Do you ever pray prayers that make you vulnerable? Prayers that expose your heart. You can see I'm setting you up for something today. Prayers that, that, that place you at God's mercy, kind of entirely in his hands, with nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Do you ever pray prayers that have the potential to stir things up radically for God to answer them literally? And the final thought really is a, it is a risk. You know, your, your prayers are not going to change God, who is unchangeable. But there's a very decent chance that they'll change you. And that leads ra- rather nicely in today's uh, dangerous prayer. Today's dangerous prayer is, Lord, change me. You know, I reckon that's a fantastic prayer. I reckon it's a powerful prayer. I, I reckon it's also a bit of a terrifying prayer. Now, I know that some of you get nervous as soon as anyone says the CH word. You not know what the CH word is, don't you? I'm not even going to say it. You know, especially if they aim that word at you. After all, I suspect that, that most of us would wish that, that everyone else would change. But change. By definition, I think, it implies at least a degree of discomfort. Largely because pride is often at stake. So the prayer that we're going to pray today is not, Lord, change my husband. Not change my kids. You know, maybe swap them over or something, I don't know. It's not, it's not Lord, change my boss. I mean, you can pray that too. The prayer we're going to pray today is, Lord, change me. I play a little game for my entertainment. Preachers like do this kind of thing because uh, you know, it kind of keeps us going. So I'd like you, please, to repeat after me the following. Ready? Change is good. That didn't sound very convincing. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll add on a little bit. Okay. I'd like you to repeat after me, change is good, change is good. if it's God, doing the it's God doing the changing. A little bit better? Yeah, I thought so. And one more, humour me, please. God is, God is good if becoming more like Jesus is the result. See, that's not so bad, is it? It's not so bad. We don't need to be frightened of change. Matthew 18, verse 3, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it goes on to say, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image." And then one of David's prayers, actually at his darkest moment, in, in Psalm 55, 51 verse 10, David prayed, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. What do we glean from these three verses? Number one, from Matthew 18 verse 3, is that change is a prerequisite. It says, unless you change and become like little children. Second thing from 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we glean that the Holy Spirit is ever at work transforming us into the image of Christ. And then the third one, like like David, our prayer should be, our repeated prayer should be, God, create in me a pure heart. You know, change is necessary for, for holiness. We call it refining because we've all got rough edges that that need to be smooth. Change is necessary, number two. Change is necessary for fruitfulness. We call it pruning because we're all going to need that that character to sustain us. Change is, is necessary for the fulfillment of purpose and destiny. Think of the picture of the potter and the clay, the Lord molding you into all that you could be in Christ and the fourthly, change is necessary for for your witness because for us to be successful as witnesses for Christ you need people to see him and not simply you I've hinted at it there but there are several recurring biblical metaphors for the transforming work transforming power of the Holy Spirit in a believers life the first one It is the picture of ore being refined in the fire. Proverbs 17, verse 3, The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, gold, but the Lord tests the heart. The picture there is of this lump of ore that's been extracted from a mine being thrown into the fire. And the hotter the fire gets, the more of the crud and impurities are ripped off the pure and beautiful and valuable metal that is left. The refiner's fire, metaphor number one. Metaphor number two is is that grapevine, that grapevine being pruned and snipped, dead branches being, being cut away in order to produce the maximum yield of the ripest fruit. John 15, verse one, I am the true grapevine, Jesus said, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. And then the third metaphor is clay being shaped and moulded and formed by the potter. You visualize that. In your head of those skillful little twists and tweaks and smoothing and rounding and reshaping and reforming that a potter does to make that lump of clay look as beautiful as whatever they're trying to create. Isaiah 64, verse 8, And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. And the fourth and final biblical metaphor is the the biological process called metamorphosis. Remember, metamorphosis can you remember back to O-level or GCSE or whatever it is, biology? It's that that natural transformation that a a caterpillar makes to turn it into this beautiful butterfly or a little wiggly tadpole makes to transform it into a beautiful frog. Of course, that works quite as well. The Greek word... that that we find for, for change, transformation in the Bible, is the word metamorphosis. The Greek word literally means a change of form. And that word appears four times in the New Testament. Twice it refers to the transfiguration of Jesus. The third time we've just read is 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed, metamorphosis. Transformed into his glorious image, and then the fourth time, fourth and final time, Romans 12 verse two, familiar verse. In the New Living Translation, it says, "Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God transforming. Here's the picture from a caterpillar to a butterfly, from a little grub." Into something that's beautiful and majestic and soars. So, so, the, the moral is, is that God wants to transform us little by little into the image of Jesus. And he does so by this process called metamorphosis, which literally means a change of state or a change of heart or, or form. Um, for us, it means a change of heart and a change of mind. So the idea then is that we are are transformed from death to life. We're transformed from darkness to light, from deception to truth, from from sand to rock, from captive to free. We're transformed from, from immature to mature, from carnal to spiritual, from fear to faith, We're transformed from unclean to holy, from selfish to selfless, from worldly to consecrated, metamorphosis, from one degree of glory to another, little by little, more and more like Jesus. And one of the Lord's primary intents for you is to make you like Jesus on the inside, so you can act and speak and minister like Jesus on the outside. Lovely quote uh, that I use often. Max Lucado said, God loves you just the way you are. Thank you, Lord. But he refuses to leave you that way. I remember it like, like this in my head. God loves you just the way you are, but too much to leave you the way you are. He wants you to be just like Jesus. Okay, so so back to our dangerous prayer, Lord, change me. You know, that's a big old prayer. In my case, where on earth would the Lord start in answering that prayer? Perhaps we we could put it like this when we pray that dangerous prayer, what in reality are we asking for? What might the results be? What kind of change should we be expecting? And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to break that prayer up into, into three parts. And we'll work our way through those three. And then I'm going to challenge you at the end. Which of those three is God calling you to pray today? Okay, so the first God change me prayer is, is, is Lord, mature me. You know, part of the expectation of, of, of discipleship is growth. And growth, by definition, requires Change. 1 Peter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. What it's saying here is, is once you've you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Once you've experienced his amazing grace, then the next step is is to get rid of the old, that yucky stuff of sin and selfishness and worldliness and flesh, and to grow up in your salvation. The expectation is growth into maturity. The expectation is is that as we feed on that pure spiritual milk, which is the Word of God, as we feed on God's Word, we shouldn't stay as spiritual babies. You know, just as as natural babies grow up, so spiritual babies should also grow up. They should grow up to become how's it go? Spiritual toddlers, and then and then spiritual children, and and then spiritual teenagers, nudge your person next to you and say, that's you, only joking. But eventually, of course, you're going to grow into adulthood and the objective is to grow into maturity. Passion Translation puts it like this. It says, in the same way that nursing infants crave for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word for this milk will cause you to grow into maturity fully nourished, and strong for life. You know, maturity is not necessarily a consequence of age or longevity. If I was mean, I'd say, I know old people are pretty immature, but I wouldn't say that. Maturity is not about how much we know. Maturity is not about what positions or titles we hold. Maturity is the consequence of, number one, the extent to which we have allowed God's word to change our lives. Shred that in 1 Peter 2. And maturity is also a reflection of how much of the character of Jesus has been engrafted into our hearts. That's maturity. And so our prayer, Lord, change me, could be be more specifically stated as, Lord, mature me. King David prayed it like this, I think in Psalm 139, verse 23, he prayed, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't know about you, but that is a dangerous prayer Ever I've heard one. God, would you search my heart? I wonder what God might find. If He searches your heart, root out my anxious thoughts, root out anything offensive in me. And the end of David's prayer, and lead me Your way, as I lay down my way. And you no know, praying. Praying that, praying, lead me, Lord, is a dangerous prayer because, because in saying those words, you're relinquishing control. I do so love to be in control. It's so much safer. And Lord, search my heart is a dangerous prayer because it's an invitation for him to deal with whatever he finds. The refining fire is, by definition, hot that might just hurt a little. If you pray that dangerous prayer, the temperature around you might just start to get a little bit hotter. Don't say, I didn't warn you. So number one, it is God, mature me. Number two is Lord, soften me. You know, the danger is, That that over time, parts of our hearts grow hard and they grow cold and callous. So we pray, Lord, would you change and soften my heart? That this is the desire to to feel what God feels, see what He sees, to value what He values. It's an invitation for, for His compassion to move you. It's an invitation to become become sensitive to the Holy Spirit, heartbeat for the people and situations around you. Why is Lord soften me a dangerous prayer? Because it's so much safer not to feel. It's so much safer not to see and not to be moved. It's a dangerous prayer because when you pray this prayer, you make yourself vulnerable. Of course, the safe way is to toughen up. is to thicken your skin and harden your heart and build walls and wear masks and not let anyone or anything in. That's the safe way. The safe way is to be be like that tortoise who sticks its head into that hard shell when the predator comes calling rather than rolling onto his back They're displaying that soft and vulnerable underbelly. Now, there's quite a well known passage in Ezekiel 36. There are well known passages in Ezekiel. Uh, And in this particular story, and have a quick look at it, the, the Israelites are in exile in Babylon, as we know they were for many years. But you know what? Around about the time this prophecy is uttered, God is starting to prophesy a glorious return home. And it goes like this, Ezekiel 36, verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. What a a powerful prophecy of of the restoration of a nation that had fallen into sin and away from God and ultimately into exile. But you know what, it's also a stunning prophecy of of the new covenant. What we have in this prophecy, as we see often in Ezekiel and Isaiah, is what we call a double reference. The prophet is addressing something in the present now or something that is about to happen, but as a double, as a second reference, also referring to something quite a bit further down the line. So this double reference here in this passage, number one, is, is this is what I will do for Israel right now, any minute, coming up. But then the second one is, this is what Jesus is going to do for God's people when he comes in the future, which, of course, to us is now in the past. Let me read verse 26 in the New Living Translation. I love this. So says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. And here it goes. I will take out your stony heart and stubborn heart give you a tender, responsive heart. For me, I, I love that promise. This is the Lord saying, this is what I'm going to do. Saying, this is how I work. This is my purpose for your heart. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to take out your stony and stubborn heart and to give you instead a tender and responsive heart, one that is clean and pure, but one that is soft and pliable. Then he goes on to say, I will put my spirit in you and move you. Isn't that wonderful? You know, this is God's purpose for you and for me, that your heart be softened, to become tender and responsive, tender to him. Tender to his heart and to his will and to his purposes for you. Also tender to those around you as as you're moved by that compassion, as as you serve as ambassadors for Christ and, and as ministers of the new covenant and as, as agents of grace. And also to make you responsive. Such that when you feel that deep, deep stirring of Holy Spirit compassion. You're quick to yield, and you're quick to act, and you're quick to reach out. The challenge I think in that is, is, is your heart soft? Is your heart penetrable? Is your heart open? Can God get in there? Does he have access? And if we're not careful, the, the natural course over time will be a hardening Your heart. That could be heels dug in over doctrine or methods. It could be becoming critical and judgmental of of those who don't do what you do or see what you see. It could be becoming closed to anyone who's different. It could be that that you separate yourself from people you deem to be weak. We have to intentionally oppose and resist that natural drift into, into a hardening, into a closing. So, Are we willing to pray, Lord, soften my heart? I'm convinced that's a prayer we should pray often. T- to be honest, it's a place I-, I try and take you most Sunday mornings. It's a dangerous prayer. There is a cost. The cost is that pain can get in if you open your heart, you make yourself vulnerable. That's the cost. The upside is if you do, God can get in. And the good news is when God gets in, everyone wins. That's prayer number two. The third part of of Lord change me, number three is Lord embolden me. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, when I wonder what well, God might want to change in me to make me fruitful for his kingdom, I'm pretty sure he'd want me to be, to be more bold. He'd want to, to fill me with, with tenacious faith and with strong conviction and with, with lion-hearted courage. Part of the change me prayer is, Lord, make me bold. You know, bold does not mean doesn't mean brash and brazen. It doesn't mean loud and opinionated. It doesn't mean rushing ahead without without a second thought or without praying it through first. It, it doesn't mean becoming a sledgehammer and using the word of God like a club. That's not boldness. Bold means, it means full of faith such that we are led by the faith of God or faith in God rather than by the fear of man. That's boldness. Boldness means that we are radically obedient to the Holy Spirit such that we listen carefully and obey boldly rather than kind of talking ourselves out of it and then failing to to act. Being bold means we stand up rather than backing down. Not that love and kindness and gentleness disappear out the window, but that we stand boldly for righteousness and for truth and justice. Just quickly have to go there. Look at a quick example from the, the early days of the church in Jerusalem. You may be familiar with this passage. And in this story, after the exhilaration of Pentecost, there came the inevitable backlash. And we read in Acts chapter 4 that the religious Jews imprisoned and then questioned the ringleaders who were Peter and John. And when they were eventually released, they went back to their fellow believers. They'd been threatened, they'd been intimidated, they'd been warned. And this is what they prayed. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And in verse 31, we read the outcome of that prayer. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. For me... must always be a part of that prayer, search me and know my heart. Am I bold? Am I rising up or shrinking back? Am I stepping into what God's called me to do or am I resisting that calling? Is my faith growing or stagnating and does it show? Now those are really good questions. Okay, I'm nearly, nearly done. Perhaps the worship team would, would like to wander back to the front. That would be great. But the challenge for you today, I'll make it really simple. I've broken that prayer down into three parts. My, my challenge for you today is, is to ask which of those three this morning jumps up and down on the inside of you? Is it, is it number one, Lord, mature me? It is God speaking to you right now about aspects of your character. And if he is, pray that prayer. Lord, Lord, mature me. Today, is it, is it Lord, soften me? Have you maybe grown a little bit hard? Maybe, maybe a little resistant? Maybe even a little bit cold? And is the Lord tapping you on the shoulder this morning? I think this one's particularly pertinent coming out of the COVID experience. You know, we've all had to retreat a little bit. We've all had to kind of insulate ourselves a little bit. There is a danger in that, that our hearts have become a little bit harder, a little bit colder, perhaps even a little bit cynical, a little bit calloused. If that's the case, today will be a great day. It's a dangerous prayer, but it'd be a great day to pray, Lord, soften me. And then the third prayer that that might be few is, is embolden me. You know, maybe in your Christian walk, you've been, I know, shrinking back just a little bit. Maybe there's a stirring on the inside of you as a result of this word saying, you know what, it's time to rise up again. Time to step out again. And if it is, then I'd encourage you to pray the prayer this morning. Lord, make me the response this morning is, is very simple. My, my recommendation is to pick one of those and just join me in praying. I'll pray after this next song. Just join me in praying. Lord, would you change me?